Hey everybody, welcome to Best Show Bests, the best of the best show. And you can find out more about The Best Show over at thebestshow.net. It airs live every Tuesday night from 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time. And if you're new to the program, this show, are uh, these are little bite-sized bits and greatest hits type samples of what we do every week. So if you like this, maybe you check out the full show. And if you want to support The Best Show, we have a Patreon set up over at patreon.com slash thebestshow. That is how you support the program. It is listener-sponsored now, and you give what you can, and we appreciate it. And there are prizes and benefits at all different levels of giving. So again, go to patreon.com slash thebestshow and support the show. And now please, without further ado, check out this episode of Best Show Best. Phone number 201-332-3484 on The Best Show. And I'm going to go back uh, to the phones. Best Show, you're on the air. Hi, uh, looking for uh, Tom Sharplemple. Oh, yeah, hey, this is, well, this is Tom, It's but it's Sharpling. Oh, okay. My bad there. Let me, let me correct that. Okay. Um, I'm calling from Entertainment Weekly. Wanted to talk to you for a second, if I could. Uh-huh. Oh, Entertainment Weekly. Yay. Okay. Well, what, what, what are you calling about? Well, EW is doing a big Bowie issue, and we're looking for comments from prominent media figureheads. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our interns played me the Bowie tribute you did last week. I got to tell you, I was very impressed. I was very moved. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you very much. You know, honestly, <laughs> I'd never heard of your show before that. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh. I thought it might be one of those, like a new show, you know, because I, I do follow all the, all the podcasts, and it just wasn't, I'd, I'd never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then I found out you've been doing this thing for, what, like 15 years or something? Yeah, something like that. Well, I gotta say, it's really funny, Tim. Uh-huh. Well, it's, it's Tom, actually. Sorry again, sorry, I gotta, I gotta just pound that into my brain when i get a name in my head i just it stays there and i it, i it takes a while to edge it out you know sure, uh, sure. but uh <laughs> tell you what though you keep it up you play your cards right yeah i think this show could be the next hollywood handbook uh <laughs> oh that's well you know that's nice of you to say but and don't don't get me wrong because i obviously love hollywood handbook but like they've only been doing the show for about two or so years, <coughs> so for this wouldn't be the next Hollywood handbook, you know. Uh, well, it's a great show. You should check it out. Yeah. Oh no, I know it. Okay. Okay. Well, uh-huh. well, look, that's neither here nor there. But um, look, getting back to to uh, Bowie. Uh, Obviously, one of the most important and influential artists of all time. You know, I don't think it could be argued that his 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 impact is felt on just about every aspect of popular culture that there is. Oh yeah, well, no, that's definitely very that's very true. So, um, I know you like to crack wise on the absurdities of the world of showbiz, and I'd love to get your thoughts on some of the weirder Bowie minutia that's come down the pike over the last thirty five years or so okay oh like like what what kind of things 
Well, like, you know, there's that, that clip of Bowie singing I Got You Babe with Marianne Faithful. That's a pretty weird one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one. It's not... What's your take on that? Um, it's, it's, uh... I mean, it's just, it just shows the, I think he would just try things and, and right. really just kind of put himself out there. Right. Okay. That's great. Writing that down. Okay. Um, all right. What about this, this other clip of him? This is a crazy one. Him doing Young Americans with Cher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a weirder one. It definitely. is. Yeah. What do you yeah. think about that? Um, I guess it's, it's kind of, that one's more interesting, not, not my, you know, favorite, but definitely interesting to see. Okay. And of course, there's that legendary duet with Bing Crosby that, as it's funny, you'd never think of it at the time, but now it's become a, a real Christmas tradition mm-hmm. for for a lot of families. Oh yeah, yeah. The the that them doing that duet on uh, Little Drummer Boy is kind of turned into a classic. Yeah, it sure has. And uh, can I get your thoughts on the, on the rest of that? The rest of of what? The King of Punk. The what? The what? The King of Punk. What is what is the King of Punk? Are you serious? Yeah. That that's the TV show the Little Drummer Boy was from. Uh huh. Well, no, I I think it was from a uh, a Bing Crosby Christmas special. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a common misconception. No. Um, that song was actually in a scene from a 1977 BBC drama that only ever aired once. Really? Yes, yeah. And that was... It was called The King of Punk. The King of Punk. That's that's crazy. That's I've never heard that before. Yeah, well, it, it was inspired by a night in 1977 when Bing went to the Roxy Club. The Ro- the Roxy Club, that's the the famous uh, punk club in, exactly, in London. Exactly, yeah. In London, right, yeah, yeah. He was in, in London shooting a commercial. I'm not sure what it was, probably some biscuit company or something. And like everybody, he he was reading about punk rock. It was in the in the papers every day. It was on the news. You, he couldn't really escape it. And, you know, he was, he was a curious guy. He wanted to see what it was all about. So he and this bodyguard that he had they went they went to the roxy one night okay and um do you know who was on the bill that night yeah let me i actually i did actually research that hang on let me see oh um uh eater the lurkers and the nipple erectors which little uh trivia that was shane mcgowan's first band wow yeah yeah that uh i mean that's not that that's not exactly like a, a like a super A list lineup in the scheme of who played there. Well, you know, it wasn't the Clash and the Damned every night, right? You know, it's like you don't see bands like Chairs and Mailboxes playing the Bowery Bar Ballroom every night, do you? Uh huh. Like yeah. Chairs, Mailboxes. Yeah, you don't know those bands? Sure. No, I I, I know them. It's it's a little more kind of. Um, like, it's ukulele rock. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's ukulele rock. That's you don't like exactly. ukulele rock? No, I I like ukulele rock in its in its place. I, mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, sometimes I like. I think most of the time I I prefer just rock. Do you like books? Do I like books? Yeah. Sure. The band. Oh, the band. Yes. Okay. I don't know books. Oh. 
are good. Xylophone laden uh, ukulele rock. Okay, yeah. No, and yeah. and yeah. it just sure. Okay. Okay. Well, getting back to this thing. Mm-hmm. So so Bing, he's at the club and he he gets his idea for a movie. Okay. And before you know it, John Milius is on a plane to England and he's there to write it. John Milius. Yeah. Who wrote Apocalypse Now. Right. And um, Red Dawn. Mm-hmm. And um, like a real kind of macho. Exactly. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of his earlier things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. So it's. So it's John Milius mm-hmm. and Bing Crosby, which is weird enough. But right. how how does David Bowie come into any of this? Well, Milius doesn't know anything about punk, but his research told him that David Bowie was one of the genre's biggest influences. Like he was one of the cool people, according to punks. And there, there weren't many, like the Who and Bowie. That was pretty much it. And you know what I mean. Sure, the people who the punks respected. Exactly, yeah. 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 So what you don't see after Bing and Bowie sing Little Drummer Boy is Bing stopping Bowie as Bowie's about to leave that the house after paying him that visit. Mm-hmm. And he asks him to come look at the new motorcycle he's got in his garage. Wait, this is after they do the song. Peace on Earth. Yeah. And yes. rump a pum Exactly, yeah, with his pipe. Yeah. Yeah. And Bowie goes, I, I love motorcycles, Bing. I, I, I'd, lo- I'd love to come in there and have a look. So Bing leads Bowie back to the garage, mm-hmm. shuts the door behind them, pitch black, turns on the garage lights to reveal uh, yeah. all of the top dogs in English punk chained to the walls like prisoners of war. What? Yes. Really? Yes, yeah. Captain Sensible, Joe Strummer, who else? Uh, Paul Weller, Steve Jones, Steve Diggle, uh, Gay Advert, uh, Hugh from the Stranglers, Ari Up, you name it. Uh, and they were, wait, why were they chained to the wall? Because Bing absolutely hated punk. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought it was, I thought he was like, fascinated by it oh no he loathed it no oh he he said the people involved in that scene were the most vile coterie of animals he'd ever seen he hated everything about it he hated the violence the lack of respect for tradition all of it Mm -hmm. okay so 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 bowie ends up in this garage yeah yeah with all the kind of heroes of 77 punk right chained to the wall yeah yeah and then and what what happened after that well he chains bowie to the wall too and he gradually breaks bowie down in front of the punks emotionally and physically mm-hmm. and bowie would later call upon this experience in filming when he was filming merry christmas mr lawrence sure the movie about being a prisoner of war yeah yeah so then there's this this long montage of bing and bowie breaking the wills of the punks and turning them into 1940 style entertainers okay like I, it, this is mind-boggling right it, it, it's kind of like what Devereux does to dirty d and chopper in kiss meets the phantom of the park 
when he turns them into those colonial robots. Yeah. Oh, I, that was scary. That was, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it still scares me. What's that? It still scares me. You're still scared by it. Yeah. It gives okay. me the ED creepies. All right. Well, that's as an adult now, you might want to get No, it gives me the creeping Worthingtons. Have you ever heard that expression? The creeping Worthington. No, yeah. I haven't. I think it's English. Mm-hmm. Might be New Zealand. I don't know. Uh-huh. Anyway, you were saying? I was saying that you might want to get past this as an adult to be creeped out from something from Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Maybe I will. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, so, so Bing is trying to turn them, like, to transform them mm-hmm. into, like, what? Like, his idea of what he thinks is cool? Hi, everybody. Tim Heidecker here. We have a brand new Office Hours that just came out of the oven. We've got legendary psych rocker Ty Siegel. And Doug is back from down under. G'day. G'day. And his mommy came with him. Mommy and Gary Lusenhop are here, too. Alicia let me know that she finished the White Album, has thoughts on that. So much more on this legendary episode of Office Hours. Find us on your podcast app of choice or watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash office hours live. Who are the animals? Because I don't smell them. Exactly. Exactly. But it's this totally outdated idea from at least 30 years before, right? Sure. Yeah. And, And so the big ending of this thing was supposed to be this Bowie show at the Rainbow Theater. But instead of of Bowie doing his low era music he comes out looking just like being in danny boy uh-huh. and he, he starts condemning punk and saying how it's got no zing or no swing okay Isn't that weird that is weird and then all the punks who are in the garage they come out and they do this full-on vodio dodo version of, of that song chattanooga choo-choo remember that song like pardon me boys is this the chattanooga choo-choo that song do more of it. When I got a batter in line, I got a batter on time. Something like that. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I got a beat it on time. I guess that's what they said. Is that? I don't know if that's what they said. I think that's what, what it was, yeah. I'm not sure what they I was blurring words a little bit on yeah. that. Are you I don't drunk? think it was you literally drinking? you got to beat it on time. Are you time. drinking? What's that? Are you drinking? Am I drinking? No, yes. I'm not. No. Oh, you said you were slurring your words. I don't know. It's just my okay. first Okay, no, well, I'm not drinking. Okay. Well, look. Anyway, all the punks then, they denounce their own ways and they become crooners uh-huh. like it's no more punk for us we're gonna croon uh-huh well that's yeah. that's a really weird ending to a special but it wasn't the ending it what that wasn't the end no 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 so after they they shot that final scene mm-hmm. bing gets sick and he goes home to palm springs to to rest and to him the movie's over he shot everything all that is, is left to be done is to cut it right mm-hmm. okay but Milius, he doesn't like it. Okay. He, he thinks the ending wasn't intense enough. Mm-hmm. So he writes a whole new ending, and they actually shoot it with someone standing in for Ben Crosby. Standing in for him? Yes. Well, that's that sounds insane. What 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 is the new ending that they shot for it? Well, Bing, who, who is now played by, remember Anson Williams? Sure, Potsy. Yes. They had the same haircut, I guess. So uh-huh. that's who, he, they got him because they were only going to show him from the sides and from behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Bing slash 
Anson, Potsy, reveals that, that he's been doing all this breaking down of wills and brainwashing the punks in an effort to take over as the new reigning king of punk. Okay. And, and he's going to overthrow the government and install a 100-year reign of punk terror. Uh-huh. Isn't that crazy? That's... And he's going to change the name of the United Kingdom? Yeah. To Punksylvania. Punksylvania. Yeah. That's insane. I know, I know. And this final scene. Yeah. Bing slash Potsy. He's hacking his way through hundreds of bobbies and policemen and soldiers and stuff with a giant safety pin. And as he makes his way to the 100 Club stage. Uh huh. Are you okay? Yeah, I am. I am okay. I didn't know if you're having a dream and someone named Jason was doing something weird. No, no, no. I just okay. wasn't sure. I just saw somebody hovering in the doorway. I was going to. Ooh, that's like sleep apnea. Do you have that? Sleep apnea. No, yes, I don't. You, you see weird things like you hallucinate. Uh-huh. I do that. I, <laughs> you do? I do, yeah. You know who, who, who comes and kind of haunts me and hovers over me? Who's that? Coach Lombardi. Like Vince Lombardi. Yes, yeah, and he's wearing his cleats. I didn't even know he wore cleats. I thought oh, he, he did. He suit. wore cleats to his wedding. Like football cleats. Absolutely. And they were dirty, too. Her, his wife's father was very upset and kind of never got over it. That he wore cleats to the wedding. Yes. So he's yes. kind of probably tearing up the church carpet. Yes. And, yeah. But uh, the brother of... His father-in-law got revenge at Vince's funeral by clicking his own cleats into the coffin and, and getting all kinds of dirt in there. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it that was, was weird a... because his, his stepfather's brother was 160. It's, he, 160 years old. That's correct. How on earth could somebody live that long? I don't know. Maybe he, he was juicing fruit juices. Those help. And pizza has lycopenes. Don't forget that. What's that? Pizza has lycopenes. Don't forget that. Oh, so pizza's good for you. It is. Yes, it's got lycopenes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. you can't put too much cheese on it, though. Uh-huh. Go gluten-free on the crust. Maybe maybe some sort of soy milk uh, cheese. And then just ride the lycopenes to perfect health. Like Metallica said on their first album, ride the lycopenes. Yeah, uh-huh. Is that what? The, I thought that was Ride the Lightning. You're sure it was Ride the Lycopenes? Hello? I dropped my phone. Okay. James Hetfield, seriously early on Lycopenes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, where was I, though? I feel like we got egregiously off course. Mm -hmm. You were saying that Bing... A Anson Williams, I think if I remember correctly, the last thing you said was he had a giant safety pin and was slashing his way through the crowd. I did say that because yeah. that's what happened, yes. Mm -hmm. And so blood and flesh are spraying everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then he, until he finally gets to the microphone at center stage and backed by Paul Simonon, yeah. Jet Black, the drummer for the Stranglers, yeah. Brian James from The Damned, yeah. And for some reason, Nick Box from Uriah Heep. Okay. I don't know why. That's an odd one. It is. He launches into a song called, I'm the King of Punk, you wankers.
Oh, that's bizarre. Yeah. There's another version that, that's called I'm the King of Punk, you dirty effing rotters. <laughs> yeah. But this since this was for television. It was, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, needless to say, when Bing Crosby finds out about this, he was livid. Mm-hmm. And he demanded this thing never get shown. But it was too late because it had already aired once. Sure. Like, they, they snuck it. They knew he wouldn't be into it, so they didn't tell him. And he was, he was sick. Mm-hmm. But they did air it, but they never aired it again. Uh-huh. Wow, yeah. wow. Well, that, that, that's a shame. That would be – that's something I really would love to uh... – to have seen it's a shame i, I can't see it super shame i mean it, it, it you know it was, it was some of the best stuff peck and paul's ever shot if you ask me and who peck and paul peck and paul sam peck and paul yeah he directed it sam peck and paul directed this yes the guy who made the wild bunch and uh straw dogs and bring me the head of alfredo garcia yeah he, he and he did knocking on heaven's door I don't know if he did that. I think that was in the movie. I think, I think he Bob produced Dylan the record, too. I don't think he produced the record. I'm sure he did. Uh-huh. Well, you might want to hold on. No, I'm, I'm sure he did because there, in this book that I read, there's a whole p- uh, part in there where Jim Keltner says that Peck and Paul was whipping him because he couldn't get it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm drumming was, on it. That Pe- Sam Peck and Paul was whipping Jim Keltner. Yes. With his, uh, with his jodhpurs. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that, that, look, you learn something new every day. I did not know that. Yeah, you didn't know a lot. And I got to say, man, you turned out to be a supreme bust on that one. Uh-huh. Oh, so, oh, I'm sorry. Well, you, you didn't know about it, so I can't quote you on anything. Um, yeah. All right, let, how about well, what do you think of Bunker Sings Bowie? Wait, what's that? Bunker Sings Bowie? Bunker Sings Bowie. What is Bunker Sings Bowie? Are you serious? You have a radio show you don't know this? I have no idea what that is. Well, um, it was the third All in the Family album. The All in the Family. I know that they made records for the TV show All in the Family. I think that, I know they made a couple of them. Yeah. So I didn't know there was more than those two that you always see in cutout bins. Right. Yeah, there's a third one. Um, and... It was pulled after about two weeks because people took offense to Carol O'Connor singing songs like Queen Bitch and We Are the Dead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you, man, th- this thing is like the, the day the clown cried of music. I've never heard it, but there's rumored to be a version of Bowie doing a song called Meathead Meets the Starman for a proposed album called David Does Archie. There's that's there's no way that's real. Look, I I said rumored, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, but this one, yeah, this is real, and I'm sure you know all about it. What is it? The Arthur Treacher's Let's Eat campaign. <laughs> Wait, what's that? The Arthur Treacher's Let's Eat campaign. Arthur Treacher's, like as in Arthur Treacher's fish and chips. Yeah, you know about that, right? Yeah, it was a chain of fish and chips fast food restaurants. Right. Uh-huh. And, and who was Arthur? Arthur Treacher was like a real actor, right? He's an English guy. He was an English guy. I believe he was the he was like the Ed McMahon for, for Merv Griffin. I think that's right. I think you're right. Yes. talk show. Yes. Yep. Yep. So right before the Let's Dance album and Serious Moonlight tour start, you know, he, he, Bowie was, he, he hadn't really had a super big hit 
in a while. Mm-hmm. So he signs this deal with Arthur, Arthur Treacher to do a jingle that's going to be part of a new ad campaign to help them compete with, you know, Burger King or McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the song, it was basically Let's Dance, but with fr- fried seafood's specific lyrics. Mm-hmm. Fried seafood related specific lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like, what would be a fried seafood-specific lyric? Well, it went something like this. Uh, let me see if I can remember it. Uh, Let's eat. Put on your white bib and eat the cod. Let's chew to the sound no shrimp make in the deep fryer. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, that I that is... How can I never have heard of that? Well, because when Let's Dance became that the huge hit that it became, uh-huh. Bowie was able to buy himself out of his deal with Arthur Creatures. Okay. And he even bought back all the copies of the single they pressed up. Wait, that was a record? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It came out on Treachophonic Records. Treachophonic Records. Yes, it was a real label. Uh-huh. They only ever had one other release, though. Uh-huh. What, what was the other release on Treachophonic Records? It was called... Hang on. You're right wallet. there? Wallet. It's Wallet. It's like there's grease on it. I don't get uh-huh. it. It's like I've been to Arthur Treacher's or something. I know. That fish was so greasy. So greasy, yeah. Right? It was. Yeah. Anyway, the song was called Andy is Here to Help, My Man. Okay. What is that? It was a guide to having an LSD trip. Uh-huh. Like you, you would trip out, and then you would play this record to kind of keep you, you know, keep you in a safe spot. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It was narrated by uh, Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Wait, so Mickey Rooney put out an album. There was an album where Mickey Rooney guides people through doing LSD? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Andy. Yeah. What's Andy. It was just like a cool name he thought up, I guess. Okay, Andy. Yeah. Uh huh. Is here yeah. to help. It actually charted. That album charted. It was a single. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Oh, hey, speaking of records that are hard to find, mm-hmm. maybe you can help me with this. Sure. I'm looking for this record by the Bee Gees. Yeah. I heard it a year ago, and I've had no luck finding this thing. Okay. As I've already shown you, I'm not a great singer, but I, I'll, I can try to sing it. Maybe that'll help you. Oh, I thought it. you had a very nice voice. Did you? Thank when you. When you did "Let's Eat," I was very impressed. I've been told I sound like a young Pick Withers. Really? Yes. He didn't sing much in Dire Straits, but uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the song goes something like, "Your love has got my heart reeling." But it's also got my tire squealing because we were boning and your husband came home early from work. Is it on? What's it on? I think it's on Spirits Having Flown. Is it not? I don't. I was never. I never listened to a lot of like deep cuts on Mm -hmm. Bee Gees things, but it sounds like it definitely has that feel of like late, like around. Post-Saturday Night Fever. Yes, definitely. yeah. But, like, tra- remember Tragedy? That song, Tragedy? 
Remember that? Yeah, it sounds like it's from that era. Okay. So, I'll, I'll, I'll certainly look it up. Mm-hmm. So let me keep that in mind. Oh, so, so back to the topic at hand. I'm sorry, I keep getting, getting off track here. Mm-hmm. I want to get your quick thoughts on a few more Bowie oddities, and then I'll let you go, okay? Okay. All right. Uh, uh, all right, I'll just, uh, I'll just run them down, and then you, know, you can comment afterwards or during if you want. Uh, let's see. Uh, Blue Jean Blue Jeans, uh, the Chino Genie Pants Shop, uh, Lodger Genses. Lodger Zenges cough drops. Uh, the boys kept, the boys keep swinging baseball batting cage company. Uh, David's bow ties. Diamond dogs canine jewelry. Uh, watch that man wristwatches. Scary monster Halloween superstores. Uh, the Jean Genie mop. Cook back in anger culinary school. Surfer jet surf shop. Uh, what else was there? Uh, Golden Air's corn on the cob buffet. Space Oddity Storage. Any any thoughts on any of those things? What was that one you said? Golden Years Buffet. Yeah, uh, Golden Ears Corn on the Cob Buffet. It was. Uh, there are only a few of them. They're mainly in Kentucky. Oh, so Golden Ears. Golden Ears. Yeah. Like a play on Golden Years. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and as you would come in, there'd be a greeter, and he would be dressed like the Thin White Duke. Mmm, boy, what on a... co- on cocaine? Sure, real. Real, uh, I can't think of anything that would just, inc- that just re- really just kind of spike your, your appetite. Yeah. Well, they had the corn on the cob, but they also, uh, they only served one beverage. M- milk? Yep. Uh-huh. And they only had one little uh, condiment, too. Pe- peppers? Hot peppers, yes. <laughs> so you've yeah. been there. No, no, I just know that that's what he was kind of living on at that point. Yes. I guess yeah. corn on the cob is the other, was, was... Not one of the things. No, no, I, I, I guess it, that was all just based on the song title. I just think that was someone's idea. So like golden ears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And there was what was there was one in there about batting cages. Yes, the boys keep swinging baseball batting cage company. That, there, there was a. I think it's weird that he didn't have a baseball bat company, <laughs> a batting cage company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know which one would be less interesting from like which one neither of them would feel particularly Bowie-esque yeah like you'd be like wow I really I gotta get my uh I gotta get my swing in in shape for this upcoming uh baseball game yeah let me go to those David Bowie batting cages I know interesting yeah Yeah. and um was there a thing about a about a uh a genie something gene genie Yes, well, actually, there were two. There was the Chino Genie Pants Shop that just sold chinos. Okay. Yeah, uh, in Southern California. And then there was also the Gene Genie Mop. The Gene Genie Mop. Okay. Yes. Like Genie, like Magic Mop, like that exactly. kind of? Okay, like yes. a Genie. Okay. Yeah, and it's also, uh, from what I can gather, it was the inspiration for the current hit film Joy. The David Bowie Mop was. Yes. Yeah, yes. I don't know if that's accurate but could be yeah (laughs) it it could be yeah yeah Uh uh-huh wow that's a lot of that's more entrepreneurial than i had ever thought i know yeah he he was doing a lot of stuff and i'll tell you he was also responsible for a lot of buildings getting made Uh uh-huh yeah i i had heard that he had invested 
a lot of money in like urban development. No, I mean he actually helped build them. What? What? I don't. I'm. I'm not following you. Yeah, he worked construction. Wait, who worked construction? David Bowie. David Bowie. No, that that has to be made up. There's no way David Bowie worked construction. No. During his downtime, everyone thought he was living in Switzerland, right? Uh-huh. No, but he was actually doing spot welding in Cincinnati, Richmond, Pittsburgh, uh-huh. Cleveland, okay. you name it. All right, stop. Please, please stop. What? No, he, he, he'd bring a sack lunch, and he'd sit there, and he'd eat with the other guys on one of those super high beams. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like in that picture. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So Big David Bowie l- would be one Big of those. Big City Lunchtime. Is that what that picture's called? What's that? Big City Lunchtime? I don't know what that picture is called, but I'm pretty sure David Bowie was not one of the people out there on the high beam eating. Well, I think it I think it was. And you know why? Because no one no one knew who he was on these crews because he could do any kind of accent depending on where he was. Mhm. And they called him the Hulk because he could carry a lot of stuff. And also he wore uh tattered dress shirts with no shoes. Like the Hulk. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, so he was just, while he was doing his spot welding, mm-hmm. he also wouldn't wear shoes. He, he claimed he could, he'd get a better grip on those girders without barefoot. With barefoot. Oh, yeah, yeah. That just helped him up on the high beam. It did, yeah, yeah. Very, very nimble, very agile. Mm-hmm. You know what else? Uh, he, he would go to the RCA plant and press his own records. Uh-huh. Wait, he would press his own, like physically press his own records? He'd man the machine. He loved to do that stuff. But, you know, he was such a control freak that, that he'd, he'd come up to workers who he thought were going too slow, and he'd bump them off the line, and he'd try to do everything all by himself, you know, the, the pressing, the, the vinyl, putting them in the sleeves and stuff, and, but then he'd get backed up and he'd fall way behind. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's actually security footage from 1979 of him at the RCA plant, and it's just like that Lucy episode where she and Ethel are at that chocolate factory. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So he was like, ju- like just scrambling. Yeah. To keep the the pressing line going. Yeah, and they start crying. Uh huh. Yeah. So he really liked to roll up his sleeves and kind of. Get in there and oh, he did. Oh, sure. And do do, do you remember Bowie Bonds? Yes, yes. Bowie Bonds. That was a thing that it was like when he was it. He needed to. He wanted to buy back his old recordings and then issued these bonds to the public. Is that what it was? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's what it was. He wanted. He wanted to have the rights to his own stuff and put it out how, how he saw fit, but that, that's how he raised the money for it. But what you might not know is that David Bowie was the number one salesperson of Bowie Bonds. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, what do you mean by that? Like he was, <clears throat> not that he was the one, I mean, not physically selling them. Oh, I sure as F do mean that, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you sure yeah he'd, he'd go to this crummy office in Queens every day, and he he would do cold calls. Uh-huh, cold calls. So he would be actually, like, on the phone. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, it was straight out of Glenn, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Is that what it's called? Yes. Yes, yeah. And like I said, Bowie was the best salesperson, but he wasn't always. Really? No? He was not the best? No. 
there were these other guys who sold more than he did. But eventually, David made a couple more sales and a couple more, and he started to get the good leads. And before you knew it, he was the top dog. Uh huh. So the good, like the good leads. Though it li- like I thought you were joking about it being like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, or just trying to put it in context like that. I mean, so you're not oh, joking. Go fart on a phone book, you dumb ape. I'm not joking about this. Okay. Well, that's. Oh, that's so. I've never heard that saying. You haven't heard that saying before? No, I never. I don't want to ever hear it again. They used to say, talking about happy days, that was uh, an early happy days line. It was a recurring thing, like like nerd and sit on it and take her hands off my tan windbreaker. And then that thing you said that I'm not even going to. Can I say it? I'll be glad to say it again. I'd, I'd prefer you didn't. You might never hear it again. Well, if that's what it is, then that's what it is. All right. It's lost of the ages, like uh, the king of punk, I guess. I guess I guess this is a night for things that are lost to the ages. That's a, that's a name for a movie if ever I heard one. Rolls off the tongue. Say it again. I guess this is a night for things to be lost from the ages. That would be the whole title of the yes, movie? Yes, I think it might be the first <laughs> film to ever begin with the words, I guess. I guess... This is a night for things to be lost to the ages. Like, picture that on a movie poster. I'm seeing this like, like, um, like in the font and the same sort of cover sort of thing as, as that movie Brooklyn. Have you seen this poster? I've seen the poster. I I can picture who the star of this thing should be. Let's. Who? Can you picture? Do you have anybody in mind? No, I want to hear you first. Well, what if you have a person? Just think okay. of who you think it is, and we'll say it on the count of three. Okay, ready? Do you have somebody in mind? Yep, yeah. Okay, one, two, three. John Cusack. Jackie Earl Haley. Okay. Who? John Cusack. Oh, he's not edgy at all. He doesn't go with that title. Uh-huh. No, you need Mooch for this. <laughs> okay, so we the need... Moocher. Yeah, so Jackie Earl Haley. Yes, Okay, well, those that's those are two different um, ways of going with it. Okay. Now, with this Bowie Bonds, you yeah. were saying, mm-hmm. like, if they were, just help me figure the 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 logic out on this. Right. If they were Bowie Bonds, yes, and he was David Bowie, like the guy that the Bonds were named after, right. Who could possibly be keeping, like you said, the good, the good leads? Yeah. Like who could keep, who could be keeping them from him since his name is on the bonds? You know what I mean? That's a fair point. Hey, um, seriously, are, are, you said a lot of things here about Bowie and... Are the the things you've been talking about are are they real? What is with you? You you, you have have serious trust issues, guy. Of course, it's all true. And if it wasn't all true, my name isn't Stephen Jennings. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's so, just that it, I mean, a lot of the things have been pretty far fetched, and you know, I mean, I just needed to ask, but you know, sure. I mean. If, 
I, I guess I can take your if you say it's real. Of course you can. Uh-huh. Hey, wait. What, what? What did you say your name was? Stephen Jennings. Stephen. Why? It's it's ringing a bell. Why? Why does that sound so familiar, Stephen Jennings? Beats me. Um. I know there's a pro hockey player with that name. Mm-hmm. No, it's not that. It's not that. Let me think. It's not the guy from Third Eye Blind. That's... No, it's not that. Um, Stephen... Oh, okay. Yeah, wait. You... That's the name of a guy who called this show about, like... Had to have been about five or so years ago. And I was interviewing an author, a guy who had written a Bruce Springsteen book. Right. But then it turned out I was talking to, like, a plumber. And everything that the guy told me was, uh, like, a straight-up lie. And I wasted, like, well over an hour of my time and the listener's time. Huh. With a guy who was just making up lies. Wow. That's a shame. Sounds like he skunked you on your own airwaves or something, right? Yeah. I mean, it was not a great experience. <laughs> Wait, what? What? what is that sound? Excuse me? What? What's the sound I'm hearing? Oh, nothing. Just, just getting back to work. This, I, you know, I just finished my break. <laughs> your break. And what, what are you working on? Oh, just... Uh, Fixing a, a bathroom here. Why? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So you are Stephen Jennings. Guy got me again. Thanks again for listening to Best Show Best. And I want to thank Martin DeGrell for supervising the episodes of Best Show Best. And of course, much thanks to Jason Gore, Pat Byrne, Martine Sellis, Brendan McDonald, AP Mike, and of course, John Worcester. Uh, who else? Uh, uh, Marsha Newmeyer and... Uh, yeah, you, the best show listener. Thank you. And if you like this, check out the full show every Tuesday night from 9 p.m. to midnight at thebestshow.net and support the best show, patreon.com slash thebestshow. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye.